Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall, and I work here as Outreach Officer. I would usually say at this point that our Minister Sarah Tinker is having a well-earned week off, but as you'll see, she's sitting in the front row, which is an experience I'm unaccustomed to. (laughs) Our opening words this morning are from Jacob Trapp, and Janine's going to join me for those. To worship is to stand in awe under a heaven of stars, before a flower, a leaf in sunlight, or a grain of sand. To worship is to be silent, receptive, before a tree astir with the wind, or the passing shadow of a cloud. To worship is to work with dedication and with skill. It is to pause from work and listen to a train of music. To worship is to sing with the singing beauty of the earth. It is to listen through a storm to the still, small voice within. Worship is a loneliness-seeking communion. It is a thirsty land crying out for rain. Worship is kindled fire within our hearts. It moves through deeds of kindness and through acts of love. Worship is the mystery within us, reaching out to the mystery beyond. It is an inarticulate yet silence yearning to speak. It is the window of the moment open to the sky of the eternal. We're going to start, as we customarily do, by lighting our chalice. And Sarah and the children's group are going to come up and light it for us today. This is our chalice, we light it each week. It reminds us that this is a church of open minds. This is a church of loving hearts. This is a church of helping hands. And our voice um, welcome you. <laughs> Lovely, thank you. The theme of today's service is singing our faith. Half a dozen members of the congregation have been invited to choose a favourite hymn and say something about what it means to them, how it resonates with their Unitarian values and their spiritual path. Hopefully between them we'll get a show of something of what our faith means to us. And I hope you're ready for a jolly good sing. There's actually more songs today than we'd usually have in our carol service. So let's start singing now with no further ado. Our first hymn is a favourite of this congregation. It's on the blue sheet in your order of service. It's Blue Boat Home.
universal spirit of life, God of all love, source of all in which we live and move and have our being. We come together in prayer, even though some of us struggle with what that means. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, even though we may struggle to say what that is. And so on this day we pray for those things we struggle with, for the conflicts we feel within ourselves and between ourselves and those we love. We pray for guidance, for compassion, for the opening of a path. And we pray for those things which give us joy and hope, for those things that we trust in, believe in, will sacrifice for. These are gifts of grace, and perhaps we need not define them in order to savour them, rejoice in them, be thankful for them. What we do know is that we gather this morning with all kinds of needs. Some face physical problems and are in need of healing. Others need healing of a different kind, emotional and spiritual. Some face family problems. Some are weary with the struggles of life. Some seek assurance that this too shall someday pass. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our hearts in different ways, knowing that what it means for them to be answered will look and feel different for each of us. May we somehow this morning be met at the point of our differences, and also in the places that we are one, of the same breath of life that courses through all living things. May we always hold in our hearts gratitude for those things that bless us with their presence. Forgiveness for the ways we have turned from those blessings. And the willingness to open ourselves anew to this beautiful and hurting world. In the name of truth, compassion and justice, this we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite Alice to come up and introduce our first hymn this morning. I've chosen We're Going to Sit at the Welcome Table as my favourite hymn because of its jolly, exuberant, uplifting tune and its lyrics that celebrate inclusiveness, equality, diversity and unity. I see the hymn both as a description of what it will be like in heaven, with the welcome table as a metaphor for heaven, but also, of course, as a description of the example that churches should set now in terms of embracing diversity and inclusiveness. Seeing that the hymn is included in the communion section of the hymn book, I assume that the welcome table also refers to the taking of communion, so the communion table. I understand that this hymn, with different lyrics, was originally a spiritual. It was also adapted during the civil rights era in the United States. In the civil rights protest song, the welcome table referred in an ironic way to literal tables. The tables or lunch counters in public facilities where black people were refused service and at which they held sit-in protests. There's a verse in the civil rights version of the song that explicitly refers to this, I'm going to sit at the Woolworth counter, alluding to the famous sit-ins at a Woolworth store in North Carolina in 1960. Interestingly, all versions of this, this hymn, other than the Unitarian version, seem to state, I'm going to sit at the welcome table rather than we're. I like the sense of unity that we're conveys. My favourite verse of our hymn is No Fancy Style at the Welcome Table, which I like to interpret in a sartorial sense, namely that it doesn't matter what you wear or how good you look or how fashionable you are, you will be welcome. As a teenager, I always felt woefully deficient in the fashion department, including at church, so I get a kick out of this verse. We're going to sit at the welcome table, never fails to lift my spirits. 
It's a simple hymn with an important message and powerful history. I invite you now to join in singing it. It's on your sheet. chosen from the light of days remembered was written and composed by Reverend Jason Shelton with help from Mary Morn and the Reverend Shelton is the Associate Minister of Music at the First Unitarian Universalist Church in Nashville Tennessee and incidentally he also wrote Standing on the Side of Love. Over the years, I've heard and sung this hymn, enjoying its energetic and motivating tune. However, it wasn't until I attended Fuse last year that it gained deep significance for me. It was during opening worship with approximately 100 others, singing its message of deep integrity, integrity of mind and soul's passion and hunger being manifested into action, that I felt confirmation that I was in the right place, that being a member of the Unitarian movement was truly right for me. Reverend Shelton's biography page states that within his ministry, he starts with the premise that what we sing is who we are. And I think that this is why the song's chorus resonates so deeply with me. It goes, when the fire of commitment sets our mind and soul ablaze, when our hunger and our passion meet to call us on our way, when we live with deep assurance of the flame that burns within, then our promise finds fulfillment and our future can begin. These words sum up my own journey, from stumbling across Essex Church eight years ago to my unfolding path of lay preaching and beyond, which has been an ongoing journey of committing to and trusting to the flame inside me, allowing my own passion and hunger to call me forward, and my mind and soul being truly aligned to a deeper purpose manifesting in my life. And I think it's an inspiring message that many can connect to about finding and trusting something deep inside themselves and following that passion to bring fulfillment to a dream or a desire or their deepest purpose. So with this in mind, I invite you all now to stand as you are able and sing number 42 from your hymn, purple hymn books, from the light of days remembered, number 42. <laughs> Thank you. 
chosen the crimson setting of the Lord's My Shepherd. Scott Farmer writes this hymn too. Crimson was a, a little remote village in Scotland that it's named after. But I chose it because it was my mother's favourite hymn. And I sang it at her funeral 40 years ago. I had it upside down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've chosen the next hymn because it reminds me of my niece living in Canada, learning to weave within the group of other weavers. Up until that weaving group, we had been a family of stitchers. Mum, dad, aunts, sisters, nieces, and myself stitched our way through family life, making and repairing clothes, shoes, toys, furnishings, table linen. Until when the dressing up box got made redundant, it was recycled again. Now, as a regular embroiderer, there are lots of words in the hymn that resonate with me. And I can make many connections between embroidery, the hymn, and Unitarian values. It comes down to what I understand to be the essential relationship between the needle, the thread, the fabric, the stitch, the colors, and the design. And when I'm lucky enough to get that right, then maybe stitching can be, for me, a meditative craft. I really think Jane's mother understood that relationship perfectly. In the Unitarian hymn, We the God Creator, spirit, spirit, are just a few of the words that we can be used by Unitarians to name their divinity. Having this freedom, do I think the needle as being the, that creator? Or maybe it is the design that shows us the way to the Unitarian path we take. Love, justice, wisdom and teaching, all these words used in the hymn are familiar to Unitarians and frequently used in our Sunday... Sorry there. <laughs> Much more important than my words, I'll tell you. Sunday services and, uh, are used in Sunday services and suggest the values of tolerance and acceptance. But I had trouble finding where in my stitching relationship I could put these words. I could put them in the fabric. Fabric is also mentioned in the hymn. Certainly the warp and weft threads in weaving seem to resonate with me of acceptance. For me, true equality comes from personally understanding my interdependence with others. If I depend upon others, surely I have to be of equal worth. 
This stitching relationship is an equal one. The needle is redundant without the thread and fabric. The thread needs the stitch to find its purpose and the stitch needs the fabric to demonstrate its function. The hymn also talks of co-weavers, which brings us to the Unitarian value of community. Where can we demonstrate, where we can demonstrate our open-mindedness, our acceptance of change, our tenderness and our inclusivity. So this brings me round nicely to the quick reminder that the creativity group starts again in autumn and we want to complete another hanging representing spring and summer and everyone is invited. They can contribute to the hanging or they can bring their own crafts and work with us uh, on their own uh, projects. I invite you now to join in singing Weaver God Creator, which is number 199 in the Purple Book. My favourite hymn is in Hymns for Living, that's the Green Book, it's 190, To Mercy, Pity, Peace and Love, words by William Blake, poet and engraver. It comes from his poems called Songs of Innocence. I have known this hymn since my secondary school days. And we used to sing it in this church too, but we haven't done so recently. When Jane asked me for a favourite hymn, it immediately came to mind because its first lines are so direct. 
to mercy, pity, peace and love, all pray in their distress. I hear in the news so much about Syria, where Assad is prepared to inflict chemical warfare on his own people, mercilessly, and the seemingly endless fighting in which buildings and towns are destroyed. Likewise, ISIS kill innocent holidaymakers and show videos of beheadings. No mercy there. Interestingly, following the coup in Turkey, the West was concerned that mercy should be shown to the more than 6,000 who were imprisoned. World leaders do not want the death penalty to be reinstated in Turkey, and they state the importance of following the rule of law. Blake says in the hymn that mercy has a human heart, and since I've been thinking of this hymn, I've also been thinking of Portia's speech, The Quality of Mercy, in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. She says, mercy is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It's an attribute to God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. As you sing this hymn, you may or may not believe in Blake's God Our Father Dear, but I'm pretty sure you will go along with his belief that mercy, pity, peace and love all show themselves through human beings. I like the thought of pity having a human face. When people show compassion, it shows in their face and especially their eyes. And love has the human form divine, not just in the face, but maybe a caring hug, or the whole of our body when we want to express erotic love. Peace has the human dress, I'm not sure what Blake means by this, but there is, after all, a lot of pleasure to be had in sitting, drinking coffee, maybe with a friend, and watching people as they pass by. When there was a temporary ceasefire in Syria, many families went out to the parks together to picnic. You cannot do these things unless there is peace. The hymn has a powerful conclusion that when we pray in our distress for mercy, pity, peace and love or in reality for help, we know that in the end it will come through human beings. And I'm going to ask Sandra to play the hymn through first, because you may not be familiar with the tune. It's 190 in the Green Book. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. 
now come to a time for meditation. So you might want to put down all of your many hymn books for a moment. Get comfortable in your chair. Perhaps get your feet flat on the floor. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the candle in the centre. There'll be some introductory words from Victoria Weinstein. And then a few moments of shared silence which we'll bring to a close with the sound of a bell. Spirit of life and love, we have gathered again out of our separateness to know that we are not alone. In our fears, we are not alone. In our grasping for peace, finding it in fleeting moments and losing it again to some turmoil of the mind and heart, we are not alone. In our cynical moments, our wanderings, is this all there is? Is this the best we can do? We are not alone. In our pain, we are not alone. And so we dwell in you, spirit of healing and wholeness, for this brief time. Willing to be held here in an immense and eternal love whose origins we do not know. Whose reality is irresistible. It calls us on. It reaches between us to fill spaces. It consoles the grieving and it calms the anxious. It gives new vision to eyes dimmed by tears and exhaustion. It opens the ear to deeper truth. It makes a place in the heart as hope. Let us rest in this peace and be held here. I chose the sacred, the body. And it was interesting listening to Alice's uh, contribution that I too, when I was researching this, had no idea about the depth of where it came from, specifically around human rights and abuse within the churches. I thought it was a simple little song about acceptance and loving our bodies and embodying spirituality. So I have a few quotes here of how it came to be. When I heard the hymn for the first time here at this church, I, I'm always surprised and grateful, as with any hymn from any tradition, to acknowledge the body is something that is very personal to me, because I don't think we can be here without this. So I did some research and um, what I found was that this has received some controversial responses and approval from those in religious communities. Uh, Dr. Michael Horn is a professor of sacred music at Perkins School of Theology. And he writes, this hymn demonstrates the ability of current hymn writers to address the social circumstances of our day in a biblically based, theologically coherent, and poetically sensitive manner. And Dr. Ruth Duck, who wrote this hymn, never preaches to the singer. Discussions of the human body within the history of Christianity have often been negative as Christians often considered the soul to be pure and superior to the lusts and passions of the body. This perspective has led to a neglect of a wholesome look at the body in theology and a denial in the church of issues related to physical abuse in many forms. So Ruth Duck, who wrote this hymn, is a professor of worship 
at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in Evanston, Illinois. And she said, I was called to ask if I knew of a congregational song that spoke to issues of abuse using Paul's concept of the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in Corinthians 3, chapter 16 and 17. This request came as a result of a conversation among students planning for a seminary worship service who needed a song on this theme. None was to be found. She says, I didn't know of any existing hymn texts on that theme, but the idea inspired sacred the body. And writing this text was a source of healing for my distress over these issues. To me personally, I find the tune and the melody very sweet, like a children's song. The music is easy to follow, and the words are simple and clear about acceptance and differences. So I invite you to sing along with me. It's in the purple book, number 139. And I hope that we can all sing this in the spirit of healing that we honor. And the powerful message that the writer wanted to serve. Thank you. now my choice which and now my choice which is Lord of the Dance I like this hymn obviously I had a teacher in Salisbury who held that to like something was an act equal to and sometimes exceeding love where heart and mind both coalesce back in Salisbury in the 60s yes the 60s at the local Methodists this was mine and my sister's favorite along with the Reverend Ernest Dober, uh, a local preacher, an occasional preacher there. We liked the humour and wit he brought to his sermons, and I think it's also true of this hymn. The melody, like the lyric, twists, turns and dances lightly and was to me, and still is, a celebration. For this brief encomium, of course, I did some research on the author, Sidney Carter, Taking a traditional Shaker hymn, Tis the Gift to be Simple, he developed the lyrics from the English carol, Tomorrow Shall Be My Dancing Day, which was written as a first-person song of Jesus, describing his mission as a true love dance. Now, I read it all, and it's not that great a hymn. Um, but more interesting to, to Unitarians, well, let me quote Carter. I see Christ as the incarnation of the piper who is calling us. He dances that shape and pattern which is at the heart of our reality. By Christ I mean not only Jesus, in other times, other places, other planets, there may be other lords of the dance. 
But Jesus is the one I know of first and best. I sing of the dancing pattern in the life and works of Jesus. Carter was influenced by a statue of Shiva as Lord of the Dance, Shiva Nataraj, that sat on his desk. Thus the hymn is a dramatic account of Christ's mission as well as a depiction of dance as a universal ascendant harmony. Now, I don't think this occurred to me when I was 10 at Sunday school, but I knew there was something light-hearted in this hymn, light-spirited, which stood out from the more grandiose Victorian standards that we sang. To my simple young mind, the drama and melody were uplifting, and that response to the hymn has never left me. As Nietzsche said, bringing Nietzsche at this late stage, I would never worship a god who could not dance. This is the hymn for philosophers, children and dancers. Now, I invite you all to look on your blue sheets, it's the final hymn on the blue sheets, to stand and sing as you're able, or maybe even dance, there we are. <laughs> him. Unfortunately the person I chose it for is not here so let's let's sing it for Mike this time even though he, he's not here to hear it. It's number 210 in the green hymn book.
Let us go out into the world singing. We know these songs. They vibrate through time in our very souls. They are the songs that give us life. They are the songs that give us meaning. They are the songs that give us purpose. Now it is our turn to take these life-giving songs out into the world. Let us go now singing these songs with voices deep and strong and may the world join us in praise and celebration and love. Amen. Amen.